Well, we are in a series called Don't Be Fooled. Today's the last day, kind of kicking or closing it off here on Mother's Day. Don't be fooled. And and I love being able to get families together and just work through with them what's going on and help pray with them and and, uh, help them even to dedicate their children. And uh, by the way, none of this would take place uh, without Heather Holt doing her job uh, phenomenally well. And so I just want to make sure I say thanks to her and uh, all that she does. And she did ask me to give a shout out. Hey, if any of you are willing to hold babies anytime during uh, higher ground, feel free to sign up for that job. What a wonderful job. We've got a ton of kids that need to be held here and there. So uh, love what God's doing in this place and love the families that he's rallying together. Just amazing to see him in that regard. And you know what? This is all for the name and the fame of Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's what it has to be about. We are not just here playing games, pulling together a club, making sure it's all about people hanging with people. That's all great. But if it doesn't start with love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, man, we have missed something. And uh, we are here to celebrate Christ. Don't be fooled. The world doesn't think much of him. And the world sells a ton of things about Jesus that... Maybe at first blush or first glance would even make you think twice and don't be fooled today's title Jesus is not just about rules Following Jesus isn't just following rules. There's so much more to who Jesus Christ is. What is he about? That's what we're going to look at today. So turn with me if you will to John chapter 14 verse 8 John 14 verse 8 We got ushers coming forward and uh, they got bibles in their hands If you need a bible just raise your hand and they'll get one to you We do walk this verse by verse so you'll want a bible just raise your hand and they'll get one to you Again, John 14 verse 8 So what is this jesus about if not about rules? That's what I always heard he was about The do this and the don't do that and the what is he about? Here we go starting in verse 8 Philip said to him lord show us the father and it is enough for us All right, we've said this before a number of times, but we cannot understand the text until we understand the Context all right, let's make sure we grasp what's going on around it before we just jump in and start looking at verses and trying to figure out What's being said and and uh So very simply here, in the first seven verses of chapter 14 and into 13, Jesus has been telling the disciples, I want you to know, I'm going away. I'm leaving. And they're all, their jaws dropped. They're like, what? That's not the plan. You were going to be Messiah and you were going to take over and you were going to rule and somehow for eternity. And we didn't even totally get that. But what do you mean you're leaving? And so they had a little talk and that went down last week as we went through chapter 14 verses 1 through 7 and Thomas even saying, how can we possibly know the way? We don't even know where you're headed. Give us the address and then maybe we can get there, right? And Jesus is like, no, you don't get it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. And as he introduces himself as the way, the truth, and the life, the disciples are starting to nod their head like they're kind of getting it. And then we get to verse 8, all right? So the first point here, he is about personal relationship. Abide. Jesus Christ, he is about personal relationship. So abide with him. And uh, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Remember, Jesus has just been explaining to them all about the way. Jesus closes out in verse 7. From now on, you do know him, the Father, and you have seen him. 
Right? Seems like it's kind of obvious, doesn't it? The statement's sort of like, you're looking at the Father, man. I and the Father are one. We've kind of covered that before, right? And, and the Father's in me, and I am in the Father. And, and from now on, you've seen the Father. Right? Thomas now steps aside. He had his ding-dong question. Now Philip steps up. All right, my turn. Show us the Father, and we'll be good. And Jesus is like, uh, wow, these guys are sharp, right? And uh, 12 disciples and not getting at all who he is. Jesus said to them, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has sent me or has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show me the father? Like Philip. I've been hanging with you for three years, man. I've been teaching along the way. I've been making it clear. You've seen my miracles done. You've heard me teaching the Pharisees with authority. You heard me say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. You've heard me say I and the Father are one. You just heard me say I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come on, man. Aren't you seeing it? To see me. Is to see the Father. Jesus Christ. Crying out. That they understand and grasp. That Jesus and God the Father. Are one and the same when it comes to the Godhead. I love this. It needs to be very clear here now right. When Jesus is saying. I and the Father are one. He's calling out the oneness. Of God. And yet, God the Father and God the Son, right? And then God the Holy Spirit. But he's referencing there are yet the threeness of God. You're seeing the oneness and the threeness referenced all over in the Gospel of John. And Jesus is like, I'm telling you, if you know me, you know the essence of the Father. You get what he is passionate about. You see how he wants to move. You grasp how he changes lives because I and the Father are one. Jesus is God. Huge authority, huge power in it. He says, you still don't know me? Are you hearing it? It's not you still don't know my rules. Not that. Everybody say it's not that. It's not you still don't know my rules or you still don't know my practices or you still don't know the methods I would use if. That's not that. You still don't know me? It's about personal relationship. He's calling us to know him personally, passionately, powerfully. It's more than a set of rules, man. It is so much not about the rules. It is not about the rules. And if we don't get it, we end up getting into a tailspin on things that we think we understand when we really don't. He says, whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Come on, Philip, I need you to catch up, man. He says, do you not believe? Now, what we're about to quote here is something you should have heard before. A couple weeks back, we were going through John chapter 10, okay? And it was the same quote. He says, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? He's like, I addressed the Pharisees with this challenge. And I asked them if they believed. Now I'm asking you. Listen to these words from John chapter 10. Jesus says to them, If I am not doing the works of my Father, then don't believe me. 
But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand. Here we go. That the father is in me and I am in the father that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. Now we have to remember after he said that the Jews decided it was time to arrest him and stone him. This phrase is a big deal phrase. Everybody say it's a big deal. It's a big deal, right? I am in the father and the father is in me. And right after that, he called them to belief and to see the works as something that was an amazing lesson for them. And uh, he says right after it, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the father who dwells in me does his works. The father who dwells in me does his works. The miracles expressed are the father's. The healings that take place, the father's. The insights that I'm having, the father. Why is that a big deal? Because we need to understand that Jesus never works in a broken unity from God the father. He's always in unity with him. He's always working alongside of him. Jesus, God God the Father, God, the two of them in perfect union as they work within this world. And he's like, you need to hear me, man. Do you believe? The words that I'm telling you, God the Father told me to share. And if you don't know why or how, well, then here's the proof, right? He says right after it. The words that I say to you, I speak on my own authority, but the father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the father and the father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. It's like take two of the same lesson, right? John chapter 10, believe the works and that you may know that I am in the father and the father is in me. John chapter 14. Now to the disciples, guys, believe the works. Watch what I'm doing. There's a missing of who he is. Wouldn't we love to think that if we were walking with Jesus, that there'd be 11 ding-dongs and me, right? And when Jesus is sharing it, we're like, you guys are no, you're morons. Look what he's saying. Listen, Jesus, I believe. I believe God the Father, you the Son, and I believe the two of you like one, and I believe that you're God of the universe. I believe everything you're doing, God the Father, is approved. I believe you are Messiah, Savior. You've come right now as sacrificial one, but you will come as Lord and King, and I'm in. Wouldn't you love to think that's what we'd do? Just so you know, we would have been the ten standing behind Thomas and Philip going, I don't know, you ask him. (laughs) Right? And, uh, they're trying to figure out who Christ is and it's being revealed to us as we look at the scripture, the truth of who he is. Believe me that I am in the father and the father is in me or else believe on account of the works. Man, Jesus does amazing things. And we have a privilege not just to have some sets of rules to follow, but to have a God who's with us, calling us to know him personally, to abide with him. That's our privilege to abide with him. In fact, the next chapter, John 15 starts talking all about abiding and uh, abide. How do I abide with Jesus Christ? And uh, so I just wrote these down. Top three ways to abide. Top three ways to abide. Number one, you've heard these words before. Number one, encounter, encounter him. 
spend time in his word where you're looking to be blown away by who he is. Please, if you're on the rule game and you're like, I do my devotionals, I do them daily. In fact, sometimes even three times a day because I am awesome. And uh, I do devotionals. And what do you mean by that? I mean, I read words out of the Bible and I check a box and feel real good that I did it. Uh, that's what I mean. And uh, may we never do that again. May we now take God's word and instead say, Lord, I am ready to meet you. And I have no clue of your awesomeness. I know that. Show me you in this passage I'm in today. I'm ready to be stunned by your glory. Amen. And then we open up the word and we start reading to meet him. Information about him is not enough. We are not looking to pass a quiz. It is about knowing him. And so encountering him, Lord, I see who you are. I see what you want. I see what you love, how you love, what you're working in this world to do. And I get that. That's encounter. Second move in abiding. Exalt. Worshiping him with your words, with your attitude. Exalt. I would just put it this way. We use the word spiritual breathing around here. It's not some weird thing, right? Just means this, right? Here's breathing. (sighs) Right? That's breathing. We tend to wake up in the morning and we do that. Did you know that? We breathe. And if we don't, the day doesn't go well. Right? But spiritually, yeah, maybe we do, maybe we don't. And we may go days or weeks where we actually are suffocating ourselves and the breathing in, this is the thanking him and praising him and appreciating him by word for who you've encountered him to be. As we encounter him in his word, as we encounter him throughout the day, as he's moving or arranging circumstances, as we see the facts of who he is coming to play in this world so real, we thank him, we praise him, we celebrate him personally as we say, you are awesome. God, I see how you're doing this and I'm amazed with what I read this morning and how it's tying together. I praise your name. Spending a little bit of time with him, exalting him. That's the the in, then the out. That's the confessing as we get rid of that which doesn't belong. That which is in direct affront to who I just learned of him to be. Confessing. Lord, I just found you as holy and righteous. And yet, I make my life all about me. Please forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for my attitude. Forgive me for my temperament. Forgive me for my approach. Forgive me that I want it to be about me or I pout in some way. Lord, please forgive me for the sin I've just engaged in, the stuff that's been train wrecking me, the stuff that's train wrecking my home. Forgive me. Man, when we exalt him, we thank him for who he is, breathing in. We confess where we're not in alignment, breathing out. Huge exalting going on. So we encounter in the word, we exalt as we celebrate him in a time of us sharing with him. And then we engage the third one, engage, where we literally step out to do the things of that day where we go after it saying, may you be glorified. You are so incredible, Lord, whatever I'm about, whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, may you 
be celebrated in each of those decisions. I'm telling you, that's an abiding like you cannot match in any other way. Encounter, exalt, and engage. And all too often we go from encounter, like we read the Bible, and then we just go to engage. Just go do it. And I'm telling you, it makes Jesus into a set of rules. And it dwindles everything down to just actions and reactions. Our job is to always make sure encounter, exalt, and then engage. May God be glorified. All right. That's what abiding looks like. That's how we can respond to this God who is so personal and able to be known. And uh, it is absolutely fulfilling. I just recorded this down. Hudson Taylor, uh, missionary to China back in the 1800s. And uh, in the beginning when he took over, I mean, he had a ton of load and he was doing it all himself and he was putting it on the line. He was exhausting himself, making the work be his battle all day, all by himself. And um, at one point he received a letter from a friend who helped him process through some changes in mindset that needed to happen to be more biblical with approaching the work. And uh, he ended up writing these words to his sister, exhausted, burned out. Uh, I'm finding the struggles of the mission here in 1869 overwhelming. But here's some thoughts that I found. As to work, mine was never so plentiful, so responsible, or so difficult. But the weight and strain are now all gone. The last month or more has been perhaps the happiest of my life, and I long to tell you a little of what the Lord has done for my soul. When the agony of soul was at its height... A sentence in a letter from dear McCarthy, a friend of mine, was used to remove the scales from my eyes. And the Spirit of God revealed the truth of our oneness with Jesus as I had never known it before. McCarthy, who had been much exercised by the same sense of failure as I, but saw the light before I did, wrote, and I quote, But how to get faith strengthened? Not by striving after faith but by resting on the faithful one. Not by striving after faith, but by resting on the faithful one. Come to know your God in all that he is. Spend your time resting in him, not running after him. It doesn't work. The muscling it plan will not get it done. And as you get to know him as faithful and almighty, as miracle working, as loving beyond all measure, as life changing in your world, as world changing around you, worship that God and rest in him and watch as you abide with him. It'll change everything in your relationship with him. Personal relationship. It starts with his work on the cross and his blood for us. And his replacement payment. And us saying, Lord, please forgive me. But it's so much more. Everybody just say, it's so much more. On a regular daily basis, be stunned by him. And rest in him. May God be glorified. That's the first point. Second, he is about his power unleashed as you trust. So pray. He is about his power unleashed as you trust. So pray. He starts out here, verse 12, says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do. Truly, truly. Uh, Just so you know, when he's saying that, 
truly, truly. It's like saying, listen up, listen up. Okay, that's truly, truly. Like this stuff's truth and you want to hear it, man. Listen up. Now all the eyes are on him. Truly, truly. All right, everybody's listening now. Here we go. I say to you, whoever believes in me will do all these works that I do and greater. Okay, what? Now, think of some great works that Jesus did. Just think about them. Okay, you got one or two? He says, these works you'll do and greater. Hmm. How's this work out, man? And uh, I'm not sure I get it. I have a hard time feeding four, let alone 5,000, right? And how does this go down? And, and uh, so I just wrote a few of these words down. And greater. Get ready to say that's greater. Okay, get ready. Jesus traveled only in Palestine. He made this little narrow spot that he went to, only in Palestine. He kind of worked there and moved within that group of people. After he went to the cross and was raised, after he ascended into heaven, believers spread across the entire Roman Empire. Believers were reaching out and sharing all that Jesus Christ was, and massive Ranges of space were now covered for Jesus Christ. Not just Palestine, but the whole Roman Empire. Now the whole world today. Everybody say, that's greater. greater. Right? And these works and greater. And uh, here's another one. Jesus in three years had several hundred converts, maybe at best. We're not even quite sure where some of those hearts were in the beginning there, right? In three years, he had some followers, a dozen, maybe a couple hundred at most. And, and uh, well, on the day of Pentecost, Peter, through the power of the Holy Spirit, saw 3,000 saved in one day. Everybody say, that's greater, right? A couple hundred in three years, 3,000 in one day. Now they're actually saying, today, estimates somewhere north of a billion people trusting in Christ across this globe. More than a billion people. Uh, that sounds greater than 12, right? And uh, that's greater as the Holy Spirit moves in people's lives, as he challenges people and convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. Hear me on this. It is not a measure of the weakness of Jesus Christ. It is a measure of the role. He came to offer sacrifice. The Spirit came to convict of sin and righteousness and judgment. And I'm telling you, this world has been turned upside down for him. And that's greater. The works being done are massive and, and sometimes miracles are included. And a lot of times it's nothing of a miracle on the outside you can see, but a heart has just gone from rebel against the king to worshiping him for eternity. And, uh, everybody say that's greater. That's what we're talking about. Jesus Christ says, I'm telling you the works that you do will be greater. Uh, one last one. Jesus spoke of the church to come. He was like, I will build my church, the gathering of people. They weren't even quite sure what it meant at that time. Those apostles, those disciples, us today, we're allowed to be a part of this gathering and building of the church as we call, as we teach, as we see healing within the midst, as we pray, as we see people coming to trust him as savior, the church exploding onto the map from nothing to massive international force that Christ might be worshiped. Hear me on this. Church is not a club. 
Church is not a gathering place for us to hang so we feel better about me. Church is a place we come that we make much of our king. And all of God's people said, the church is making much of our God and that is greater. It's amazing what's being done. Christ promised all this and greater for those who are following after him. It says, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes, everybody used to say that means saved. That means saved, okay? Whoever believes, don't walk past these words. Like, I don't trust Christ as my Savior, and I'm not leaning on him, and I don't care about that cross thing, but I prayed, and he didn't answer, and I don't agree with you anymore. And just so you know, that's not what this passage is talking about. This is saying for those who trust in him and believe in him as Savior, for those who say, you're in charge in my life. You're God, not me. Lord, I believe in you, and I lean on you. In those, he says, greater works will be done than what he did. Huge opportunity. Now he goes on to describe a little bit of it. Uh, He says, whoever believes in me uh, will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do. Here we go. Because I am going to the father. He's now taking chapter 13 where he's like, I'm leaving. And now he's getting a little more clear, right? Going to the father. And I want you to be clear on this. The work isn't done. I'm telling you this, as I leave, it's just beginning. It's just beginning. Because I'm going to the Father, and the Spirit's coming in to do some rocking work. And remember, we're in John 14 here. John 15 and 16 go into a massive explanation of the role of the Holy Spirit in this world. And a huge deal. He then says, uh, how does it work? Here we go. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Sweet. I didn't realize that. Like, I just get to ask, and he's going to do. Okay. Please help me lose 20 pounds by tomorrow. (laughs) All right, and then we wake up the next day, and we're like, I don't know if I believe John 14. That did not work, and oh, 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 I know. Please help me lose 20 pounds tomorrow in Jesus name. That'll work, right? Now I put in his name on it. He has to listen. And, and uh, that's not what's meant by this. All right. When it says in my name, it means in alignment with his will, in recognition of his authority, seeing him as in charge. And uh, he might ask you to work on that losing 20 pounds. And that's part of his will. And he's asking you to be leaning through that. And he might ask you to be going through something that you're going through that is super tough. And he's saying, listen to me, there's some things I'm doing and you barely understand it, but trust me on this. And as we ask in his name, it means that you might be glorified, that your will might be done, that you have the final say in what's taking place. So healthy prayer looks like this. Lord. Here is my very specific request. And uh, this specifically, let's talk about the kids that were up front here. Lord, we pray for this little one to come to trust you as Savior, to know you as King. That's our prayer at a young age that they might get to see you in that and long for you in that and that they might be able to experience the glory of you so early on. That's our prayer. But Lord, your will, your will be done. In those moments, we are handing over 
a very sensitive issue to the king to be ruling on. And I'm telling you this, when you are in his will, right? John 15 gets much more clear on this praying in his will and abiding in his will. When there is obedience and clarity and you see where God's moving and you're asking accordingly, he moves in amazing yes ways. And it's not because he was going to say no, but you had to, you called out the magic mantra. And so now he has to, and it's not that it's, that's exactly where he wanted to move. And you're in his will and abiding with him and he's moving with you and you're moving with him and God is being glorified. That's the next piece. That's the how as we pray. Please notice it says that I will do. Jesus doing it. Getting that? Jesus himself acting on behalf of your prayers. That I will do. And it says, why statement now? That the father may be glorified in the son. That the father may be glorified in the son. That we can make much of him. As this thing is going on, check it. This is what it looks like. God the Father over everything. And God the Son is a part and they're in perfect union. God the Son and God the Father as they work together in perfect union. And they now call in people that they are adopting as sons and daughters. Making children a family as they pull in. And the union is speaking massively to all that's going on. The unity between all of them taking place. It screams into this universe. The glory of the Father. He is awesome. The unity is what it's all about. The unity is the almighty king works in this world. And that's our privilege as we come in prayer. Not to get what I want, but to celebrate him and be in union with him as he moves in this world. May God be glorified. And all of God's people said, man, that's the power of prayer. And he says at the end, Again, let me summarize. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it, right? And uh, it is awesome for us to be in prayer with him. And may we constantly be looking for his leading and his guiding. And uh, I can just tell you a couple years back, uh, I started struggling with some things physically. And uh, many of you know this. I had just a hormone collapse and my body was going the wrong direction and we couldn't figure things out. And the prayer was, Lord, please, some wisdom on this. And a doctor's wisdom and whatever needs to happen. And last February, I was diagnosed with a pituitary tumor um, and needed surgery. And uh, many of you remember that. Had to take a month off, did the surgery. Uh, that's not fun. And uh, went through that. But our prayer the whole time was, Lord, your will. And, and it's a simple statement. My God can. My God will. And even if my God doesn't, he will be worshipped the entire time. Whatever takes place here. And praise God as we got the tumor addressed and got it out. And there was this massive recovery with the hormones. And my energy level has probably never been higher than it is right now. I'm feeling great and things are going good. And uh, praise God for that. If you remember back a couple months back, uh, it actually was diagnosed that that tumor was growing again. And that we might need to do surgery this summer. And uh, we let that word be known to you guys and to a number of churches and family members. And we've all been praying. And uh, this past week I had an MRI and uh, got information back from the doctor. Simple statement. The tumor has not grown at all or minimally at most. There will be no surgery this year at all. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Praise God for that. I'm telling you. I sat there, I had no idea the weight that was sitting on me, and I was sitting out in the back patio with my wife as I got the call, 
And um, as I set the phone down, I all of a sudden realized that I have July back. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, man, the weight that we were carrying. And God answered, listen to me. Last year, his answer was this. No, we're going to walk through a surgery. And it's going to be tough. And here's the deal. I need you to trust me in the middle of this. And you as a family are going to grow in this. And this whole body is going to walk through this. And we together are going to learn how to walk through this struggle. You're going through this one. His will be done. And this year, his statement is, yeah, we've done that. We're walking around this time. This time, we're walking around. And and may my glory be lifted up. And as we pray, and as we lean on him, may we make much of him in the moment. And sometimes he will call you through the darkest and lowest and hardest of times. Please know this, your God is still faithful. He is awesome to know. And worship him through those low times. Man, you hurt with him more pure than you've ever heard. You let him carry you in those times. I'm telling you, they'll be the sweetest mountaintop worship experiences of your life. And then other times, praise God, when we ask for a remission, a pullback, a pulling away, a something, God says, I'm with you on that. That's exactly where I'm going. And in this moment, he's blessed with that. Praise his name for both. Worship him that he answers prayer, that he's in charge. Hear me. Jesus Christ is more than just rules. It's about a personal relationship with him. It's about prayer and life changing prayer, world altering prayer that God might be glorified. Man, we need Jesus Christ and we need a personal relationship with the king of the universe. If you're walking out today, my one request as you go out on this Mother's Day is simply say these words, Lord, may I abide with you and may I pray to you. May your will be done in my life. Jesus is more than rules. Get to know him as your God. Let's pray.